Hello, history enthusiasts. Welcome to the Rural Experience in America Community Civics Through Historical Inquiry podcast. The National Council for History Education, a proud member of the Library of Congress's Teaching with Primary Sources Consortium, is pleased to present to you a series of podcasts spotlighting the public history projects created by teachers, community partners, and students from all over the United States. My name is Talia, and today I'll be talking to one of the 11 educators who participated in the first year of this project. Listen in as we learn more about how they integrated public history into their classrooms. Let's welcome to the podcast, Heather Stambaugh. So I'm Heather Stambaugh. I teach, feels like a little bit of everything in the history department, but I teach American history mostly. I'm at Green and Local Schools um, in Ohio, and I have been a teacher for about 13 years. I would love to learn more about your project, Living Local History. So I wanted to introduce an elective in my district that brought the students closer to our local history. And I don't, even myself, as somebody who grew up here, feel like I even know. Um, and I want to introduce this elective that brings us to our local history so our students feel that ruralness uh, or not and um, develop something that brings them closer to where they're from. Because sometimes when you're from a map dot, that's all you feel and you want out as quick as possible and you don't feel tied to anything. So I wanted this class and I knew from the very beginning it was going to be spaghetti thrown on a wall and the kids were going to be the leaders, which is absolutely terrifying on so many levels, but it's also so much fun because you don't know where you're going to end up, but you know that there's going to be a unique component of everybody in the room at the end of it. So my goal for the class, when I sat out creating it, I want to bring them into local history, but we needed a final project. And the framework for that really came from the rural experience in America and contributing something to local public history. My goal became then if the kids would produce some sort of final museum piece or final presentation that they could give to the organization or entity where their history fits. I planned to go through with them archiving. We visited a lot of museums. We examined a great deal of what is an effective museum piece to do. When we go places, what draws your attention? What captivates you? What are you noticing? you're remembering and you're not remembering. Um, and it also helped us start to narrow our topics down. We do live in a very important area where we're right down the street from Dayton, 10, 15 minutes from Wright Pat Air Force Base and two of the Wright brothers. We ended up at the Freedom Center in Cincinnati, trying to find links to the Underground Railroad. Uh, I took them to the Historical Society in Clark County because we were just chasing their interests. They got all of their wants and dreams in this Kurtzler house just down the road, which is where the students have found their final topic and what really interested them. And it's so fun to watch teenagers because they're like, oh, we have to do something haunted. It has to be haunted. And they would not let go of things that were haunted. And the Kurtzler house does have kind of one of those unfortunate historical events happen there where the owner of the house did um, die in the building. And so, of course, it's 
gotta be haunted, which interestingly, none of the ghosts they described to us were Mr. Hertzler. So they have finally decided their topic is the history of the Hertzlers. So they are going to do some scenes in reenactment from his life and present those. And then we also have a group that's working on like some more traditional informational stands, museum pieces, and a presentation. So at the end of it, we will be presenting the Hertzler House president with a copy of their script so that they could perform the skits or scenes again and some pieces that probably would need to be reworked for permanent installation, but will work for temporary installation or display in our building or around town, and then they could improve or utilize if they wanted to at the home. Great. So I would love to learn more about how you used primary sources Mm -hmm. in your project and where you located them. Did you locate them at the museum or other local places? We're all over the place in this (laughs) particular project. We practice with primary sources um, from the Library of Congress because it's the, the first thing that one is readily available and helps us helps us narrow down some scope. Um, in order to analyze them, we use the Smithsonian Guide. Now, the sources that were primary sources for their final project, we've been all over the place. We were utilizing digital archives from Pennsylvania. We've utilized, we went to the archives at the Clark County Historical Society and they were closed at the time, so we had full access. So they pulled boxes for us and the kids were able to go through the actual official record for the, they do not want us to say murder. So the um, robbery gone wrong of Daniel Hertzler that ended unfortunately in his death. We are trying to be very careful because what we learned through all this is that the Hertzler family does still have a very local tie. We want to make sure that we're really careful and honor their wishes and how we speak about um, Mr. Hertzler. And probably the most interesting primary source that we're using is the house because it is still standing and it is a museum and they got to go and feel being in the rooms. They are very much about taking pictures and having their own photos included in their presentation. I feel like we've we've touched it all in terms of different types of primary sources. You know, through your answer, you did touch on working with your community partner. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the balance of being a teacher, working with students, and then also working with your community partner as well, and what that relationship has been like. It has been a funny full circle adventure. So we identified the Enon Historical Society as our community partner. And then very quickly, the kids went another direction and kind of came back. Barb Arnold was identified at the Eden Historical Society as the education outreach person. She was a teacher here at Greenan and one of my teachers actually at Greenan. So I kept in contact with Barb, but we weren't using the Eden Historical Society as heavily as I had anticipated because every museum we went to, they were so wonderful about offering us extra people. The Ohio History Connection was amazing. They gave us lots of extra people. The Air Force Museum was amazing. So, so many really kind community partners. But then the kids really were stuck um, wanting more on the Hertzler house. I called the Parks Department. (laughs) The lady at the Parks Department said, 
you know who you really need to talk to is Barb Arnold. (laughs) She's the the person who knows the most about the Hertzler house. And I was like, well, isn't that fun? So I called her. She's written two books, one on Daniel Hertzler and one on his wife, Catherine Hertzler. She put together an amazing, amazing visit for the, the students, answered all of their questions, has helped them with costuming, has just gone above and beyond and is so genuinely tickled and excited that you know these young minds are are interested in the Hertzler house. We got to call full circle right back on our community partner in a different capacity than we originally thought to get uh, all the help we could ever imagine and then even more. What are some of the rewards and benefits you found by completing a public history project to this scale? I have seen so much increased interest in my students from the beginning to the end. At first, the attraction was the field trips. They were like, can't wait to get out of the building. And then the more that we experienced and started asking ourselves what's an important piece of history and how do we value one thing over another and watching them try to still make connections Um, and give things a shot to be connected has been absolutely amazing. Hearing other teachers talk about, you know, they're a little little frustrated by the number of field trips, but now hearing them say, your students are really excited about this. Um, The kids are telling them, you got to save the date. You have to come to the presentation. They're in the thick of planning that, and they're so excited to plan this really formal. They've settled on exhibition to um, call it and just seeing the spark. It has been fun and refreshing for me to let go and not micromanage and see things still blossom and grow and get done. There's just something about watching kids kind of go, oh yeah, I'll take a history elective because I like you and it's, it's field trips, that sounds fun too. This is so, this is gonna be so fun, this is gonna be so awesome, has been the real pinnacle. All right. Now on the flip side, Mm. what are some of the challenges of completing a public history project like this? (laughs) I think probably mine, my biggest one is that this is a whole class um, and helping my students, my colleagues, the administration understand that this isn't a test and quiz. This is a lot of feeling the material, seeing, doing, being out. They've been 100% supportive, but the hurdles feel like a lot when you want to just get your kids where they need to be for the success that you know is coming. And the magnitude of an entire semester course, the logistics, to as one person, but then you have museum hurdles and restraints, you have busing, you have, I mean, I took on, I think, a lot of extra with some of the outside pieces of this project. Like internally, I don't really think we've had um, what I feel like are a lot of challenges because the kids are genuinely interested and we've had a ton of help. So I really just think it's um, introducing something new and being able to speak a, a language or a vocabulary around that that 
non-history people can understand. And finally, do you have any advice for other educators who are interested in creating a public history project like this? Specifically, you know, you mentioned that you're dealing with the legacy of people with living descendants Mm -hmm. and you're dealing with field trips. So can you speak to that and advice you might have to other teachers? Yes. Um, So advice point number one, learn your field trip policy, top and bottom, inside and out. (laughs) Learn who you need to be friends with if you're taking field trips. PTO, if you need extra chaperones, your colleague who who has some flexibility and who doesn't. I think really understanding um, and investing a, a good deal of time in your ultimate goal and your checkpoints towards that goal and what it is you want the students to, uh, because this is a class and there is a grade, what it is that you want them to produce that you're going to grade them on. So really knowing how you can build in those grades and checkpoints and activities as if you're going to do a class. I really, looking back, wish that I had been able to buy myself a little bit more time and make this a full year. Um, Just because there are some hurdles that we weren't aware of until really close to the deadline. For example, being more careful with their phrasing of what happened at the Herzler house. They didn't learn that and I didn't learn that until we were there with Mrs. Arnold learning about the grounds and the, the home. Um, so anything you can't possibly know everything because you're learning with the kids too, unless you're actively on that board. Being willing to hear and reinforce boundaries, um, especially when you do have Uh, family members really close to and participating in the uh, preservation of their family home, you have to be willing to push yourself a little bit more outside of the education arena and into that historian side that we as educators, I don't think get to experience as much as we would maybe love to when we studied history in college And, and knowing your limits on that too. Where do you need help and reinforcement and finding more than one community partner or more than one person or and using your community partner resources? Everybody knows somebody. When, when you put out and ask for help, you'll get more help than you need. And some of it will be a dead end, but you will get assistance. And when people hear your excitement, they want to be part of your excitement. You can't be afraid in a situation like this class in particular to say, I I don't know where we're going to end up, but here's what I can tell you. This is the value of where we are now. And I know that when we get to this end point, there will be even more value than that. Having a purpose. I think that, um, you know, at first people were like, oh, you're just taking field trips to take field trips. My students have referenced every single field trip that we've taken in order to try to put together their final components. And so you're you're managing all these moving parts, but you have to be the center that they come back to. But you don't have to have the answer, but you have to be kind of that balance for them in all the, the crazy. Thank you so much to Heather Sandball for giving us a sneak peek into her creative process. Stay tuned to hear from Barbara Arnold, president of the Herstler House Museum Committee.
Hello, my name is Barbara Arnold. I am president of the Herzler House Museum Committee, and I have been working with the Living History Project with Mrs. Stambaugh at Greenan. Um, I'm very happy to have given the class a tour of the house, and we are working right now to create a mini reenactment of some of the things that might have happened at the Hirsch House. The children have been very, very interested in asking questions and learning more about the history of a man who was very important in Clark County at the time of his life. He was an entrepreneur, and uh, his lifestyle was quite interesting. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you will also listen to other teachers, community partners, and students as they share their impressive public history projects that connect students with their community's history. You can find all the stories on our website at nchieteach.org. This podcast has been produced by Regina Holland, Program Manager at National Council for History Education, and Talia Smith, the Teaching with Primary Sources intern at the Library of Congress. NCHE is a proud member of the Library of Congress's Teaching with Primary Sources Consortium. This podcast contains samples of Bulldoze Blues by Eleanor Ellis and Henry Thomas. It was retrieved by Deanne Arthur and Rick Arthur via the collection of Music Box Project materials found at the Archive of Folk Culture American Folklife Center at the Library of Congress. It can also be found on the Citizen DJ website. Last but certainly not least, thank you so much to all of the teachers, community partners, and students who participated in the creation of this podcast. Until next time.